Hi, I'm Wendy Zuckerman, and this is Science Versus from Gimlet Media, the show that pits facts against pharaohs. Today we're asking, how did the Egyptian pyramids get built? Some people say that the pyramids couldn't have been a purely human achievement, that something else, maybe even aliens, had to have stepped in to help out. Which, okay, sounds pretty silly, but stick with us. Because the more we learned about how impressive the pyramids are, the more we were like, huh. So, producer Rose Rimler and I went on a bit of a discount tour using Google Earth. We sent the little avatar down to the pyramids so we could see them for ourselves. Can we go in closer? Yeah, we can drop the little guy. I love dropping the little guy. Whoa! Here we go into the map. <gasps> oh, wait, this is the wrong pyramid. Let's go out of the map. Out of the map. Whoa! <laughs> Rose wanted to show me the biggest, baddest pyramid of them all, appropriately called the Great Pyramid. Okay, so here we are at the foot of the Great Pyramid. That's huge. It's taller than the Statue of Liberty. So the rocks are about the size of, uh, about the height of like your hip or something. Just about, yeah. So all these blocks, there's over 2 million blocks that make up this pyramid. And on average, they weigh like two tons a piece. Some of them came from hundreds of miles away. And yet they're so precise. The sides of the Great Pyramid are even to within, like, a few inches. Really? Yeah. They are almost perfect. That's crazy. And they're almost perfectly straight going along the north-south axis and the east-west axis. (gasps) Okay, so what what did humans have back then, like, to build such a structure? Nothing. Not even steel, right? And now steel, they didn't even really have iron. They didn't use wheels, like carts and wheels. No wheels yet? No No wheels yet. Everything we think we need to have a big, stable building that would last a long time They didn't have any of that. And Rose told me that the pyramids aren't just huge piles of rocks. They have secret rooms, passageways, and mysterious shafts cut through 200 feet of stone. And yet, this was all put together more than 4,000 years ago, before geometry as we know it even existed. And the fact that they did this with no modern technology to work with has many questioning... Could the ancient Egyptians really have done this on their own? So this idea has been bubbling away for decades. And it's that aliens had a hand in building the pyramids and other impressive ancient structures. And this idea has gotten to be so mainstream that archaeologists told us they hear it all the time. There's even a TV show about it called Ancient Aliens. It's just finished its 13th season And on average, it gets more than a million viewers each episode. Since the dawn of civilization, mankind has credited its origins to gods and other visitors from the stars. So today we're asking, where did this idea come from? Why do people believe it? And is there any reason to think it's true? Because even if you don't believe that aliens were mingling with the ancient Egyptians... You do have to wonder, how did they pull this off? We're drinking from the sarcophagus and unlocking the secrets of the mummy's tomb. (laughs) Because 
when it comes to ancient aliens, there's a lot of... But then there's science. Science vs. Ancient Aliens is coming up just after the break. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsor job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash science. Just go to Indeed.com slash science right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. There's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with a personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. Welcome back. Today we're talking about the Egyptian pyramids. And we're asking, how on earth did they get built? Perhaps something not of this earth helped the Egyptians out. As we started diving into the research for this, we started wondering where this idea of ancient aliens even came from. It seems like it should be so fringe, but this has become a cultural phenomenon. And it turns out that you can basically trace the idea of ancient aliens back to one man. My name is Eric von Däniken. I am Swiss, I'm a writer, and I have published so far 41 books all about the same subject. I speak about extraterrestrials who visited our planet some thousands of years ago. Are you the reason that people think the aliens helped build the pyramids? I think so, yes. Eric is in his 80s now, and he kind of looks like William Shatner's long-lost Swiss cousin. And Eric told us that his path to becoming the grandfather of ancient aliens started when he was a teenager in the 1950s. I visited the pyramid as an 18-year-old young man. And, and what did you think about them when you first saw them? <laughs> the first time you're just impressed and you have a lot of questions. And later in your life, you came on with more and more scientific questions. Scientific questions. Questions like, who was living around Egypt thousands of years ago? And were they smart enough to design a structure as complicated as the pyramids? Eric thought, surely not. The planning is too complicated. To plan such a complicated building with so much rooms, shafts, corridors, etc. So Eric starts looking around for answers. And there are a couple of things that fed into what happened next. 
For one, the space race was ramping up. And so people were starting to realise the possibilities of space travel and even alien contact. Eric thought, well, if humans have figured out how to fly around in space, then maybe aliens figured it out long ago. So could it be that thousands of years ago they stopped by and lent a hand with building stuff like the pyramids? After all, many of these ancient civilizations had stories of gods that came from the sky. And so Eric thought maybe these gods are actually aliens from Pharaoh away. Now just imagine Stone Age people see how a vehicle descends from the clouds with smoke and fire and trembling and now loud noise. And they have no idea of technology. So they believed erroneously that this must be some gods. All these gods have come from the sky. As Eric was developing these ideas, he was working as a hotel manager in Switzerland. But by the mid-60s, he had a manuscript. He sent his work around to publishers, but they all rejected it. And so it sat on the shelf. Until a guest showed up at the hotel and the two got to talking. And he was very interested in Eric's ideas. And one day this man said to me, Eric, why don't you write a book? And I said to him, I have a manuscript, but nobody will publish it. And he said, I have an idea. I know a big publisher in Germany. And he simply phoned this man and he said to him, listen, I, I'm here in, in Switzerland in a hotel and there's the hotel manager and he has written a complete crazy book. But the man itself is not crazy. You should listen to him. And that was the beginning, the start of Chariots of the Gods. Chariots of the Gods. It was published in 1968 and was a big success, ultimately selling millions of copies and making the New York Times bestseller list. It was so popular that it was made into a film which was nominated for an Oscar for Best Documentary. These stone masses were transported from a quarry on the far banks of the Nile at a time when men had neither cranes nor trucks. Ha. The movie even aired in schools to help kids understand science. All around the world, people were going nuts for it. And so Eric kept honking his ancient alien horn, just like a Tutankhamun. He went on to write 40 more books and gained disciples along the way, some of whom wrote their own books. And so for decades, this idea has spread and spread. You can find people talking about it all over the internet. And of course, there's the Ancient Aliens show on the History Channel. Eric's a regular on it, by the way. And, and Eric, why do you think this idea really took off and, and your book was so popular? What, what do you think it tapped into? This made people think. They say, hey, what, what's, if he's right, we should look at this possibility. And that's the fascination of a story. Once people know about how impressive the pyramids are, how precise, how intricate they are inside and how few tools the ancient Egyptians had to do all this, Eric's ideas do plant a seed. What if he's right? So that's what we're going to figure out today. Were ancient Egyptians capable of designing the pyramids? And if they were, how did they do it? 
Let's start with that first question. That is, were they smart enough to plan the complicated and precise architecture of the pyramids? I'm a paleoanthropologist, and I focus on the evolution of human cognition. And so if you were to tell, like, a three-year-old child, what do you study, what would you say? I would say that I study how people came to be as smart as they are. This is Shelby Putt, a researcher at the Stone Age Institute. Yes, the Stone Age Institute. It's where Pebbles and Bam Bam went to college. Just kidding. It's a research institution in Indiana. And Shelby says that it's a bit tough to know how powerful our brains were thousands of years ago. The problem is brains don't fossilise, right? Brains don't fossilise, but bones do. And Shelby says that you can learn a lot from looking at a fossilised skull. You see, as our ancestors evolved, their skulls got bigger and bigger, suggesting their brains were getting larger too. And this happened over millions of years. Around 300,000 years ago, we see the first evidence of modern Homo sapiens. And after this point, people have normal-looking skulls. Our skulls have been the same size for a long time, at least 100,000 years. And the Great Pyramid is a measly 4,500 years old. Now, this suggests that humans have had the same brain power since way before the pyramids were built. Now, when it comes to smarts, brain size isn't everything, but it is an important clue. So if you were able to go back in time and to, like, Mm -hmm. steal a baby from ancient (laughs) Egypt and then you brought them to today and, like, raised them, would that baby stick out in some way? Would it fit in when it grew up? They would not stick out at all. (laughs) They would be just a completely normal person, yes. Completely normal in in intelligence and in the way they look. uh, They would be just a normal person. Wow, so 4,000 years ago, we were really the same people that we are right now. Absolutely. And we know that the ancient Egyptians of that time weren't dumb, dumb cave people. In fact, they had a pretty complex society. They played music, brewed beer, laid out cities, played board games, couples could get divorced, and women could own their own property. So yeah, if they could do all that, Shelby's like... Surely they could map out the pyramids. The fact is, they are modern people with modern intelligence. And we all in there have (laughs) the capability of working together to accomplish something like this. But even if the ancient Egyptians had the brain power to dream up the pyramids, how did they turn those dreams into reality? How did people transport heavy blocks from hundreds of miles away without wheels? How did they build a structure so tall that it dwarfs modern buildings and it has lasted for thousands of years? An amazing new discovery cracks the case of the pyramids wide open. (laughs) And it's coming up after the break. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. 
Don't search, match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsor job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash science. Just go to Indeed.com slash science right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Essentia Overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back. So we just heard that as best as science can tell, ancient Egyptians were smart enough to architecturally design the pyramids. But the question remains as to how they actually built them. And getting to the bottom of this hasn't been easy. Archaeological information is kind of like a homicide detective. You know, there's bloody socks on the floor, you know, there's muddy tracks going. You have to infer what happened. This is Mark Lehner, and he's one of the top Egyptologists in the world. And even though Mark's been studying the pyramids for decades, he still remembers walking into the main chamber of the Great Pyramid for the first time. It was back when he was just a tourist. The acoustics are amazing in there. They resonate. And so you can find just the right chant to get the thing vibrating like a big pipe organ. So that's pretty cool. Really amazing. And still when I go in there, I can find just the right resonance to make it sort of start, you know, What's funny, though, is that Mark first got interested in the pyramids because he was a little woo-woo-woo-woo-woo. <clears throat> anyway, uh, back in the 1970s, Mark believed that ancient Egyptians didn't build the pyramids alone. He didn't think it was aliens, but the lost civilization of Atlantis. And yeah, my belief hung in there really strong. That was until... Mark started really studying the pyramids, going on trips to Egypt, sifting through artefacts. And then one day he realised that this Atlantis thing, it just didn't add up. The whole thing had slipped away from me like a glacier separating, and I didn't believe that anymore. So now he didn't believe that the Atlanteans helped build the pyramids, but he still didn't know how the ancient Egyptians did it. And one question that really puzzled him was this. 
he'd learnt that a lot of the stone from the pyramid actually came from nearby. But the ancient Egyptians still needed to truck heavy granite from very far away. Yeah, the granite came from 600 kilometres away. How did they do that? Well, over the past few decades, Cairo has been doing a lot of construction around the city, like installing a new sewer system, which meant they had to dig. And when archaeologists heard about that, their ears pricked up. Because, you know, archaeologists love digging. Now, during these digs, they found the remains of ancient docks, harbours and canals. These canals went all through the city and up to the Nile River, which connected to quarries filled with granite and other stones. Now, here's the cool thing. They actually cut all the way to the foot of the pyramid. Yeah, right up to the pyramids. And what this suggested was that the ancient Egyptians were moving enormous stones hundreds of miles by stacking them on boats and then rowing them through the canals. So Mark had all these clues about how the river worked and then the canals. And then... A few years ago, a team of archaeologists hit the jackpot, their most concrete evidence yet. They found fragments of an ancient diary written on papyrus by a middle manager type who actually worked on the pyramids. And this guy described exactly how they moved the stones day by day. Morning, we loaded our boats. Afternoon, we spent the time sailing to Giza. Evening, we dock. You know, morning, we're dragging blocks to the pyramid. Literally, day by day, it was just like, boom, opening a window. The next best thing to being there, which I've often wanted to do, I've often thought I would love to be here just for five minutes, 10, 15, just to see it. These papyri were the next best thing. Papyri. Yep, it's the plural of papyrus. You should try it in a sentence. Like, this bowl of papyri really makes the whole house smell like Christmas. Oh, uh, no, that's uh, potpourri. Anyway, these papyri describe teams of 40 or so men piling boats high with stones and then rowing them straight to the building site. So roads? They didn't need roads. Or trucks or even wheels. They had the Nile. Okay, so now we know exactly how they moved these huge stones hundreds of miles to get to the pyramids. But we still had one final question. How did the Egyptians hoist these huge stones hundreds of feet into the air to create a pyramid taller than the Statue of Liberty? Well, cranes? They didn't need cranes. They had sleds, rollers and even ramps. Just this month, the Egyptian government announced that the remains of what looks like a ramp has been found, and it's about the same age as the pyramids. The Anglo-French team had been working in an ancient Egyptian quarry when they discovered a ramp with stairways. A stone ramp with a series of post holes on both sides. So you'd push a stone up, wedge the poles in the holes, and then go to the next level. That's amazing. That is some early Egyptian scaffolding. scaffolding. Yeah. Yeah. So it looks like the Egyptians used ropes to pull and push the heavy stones up higher and higher along a ramp. And this was possible because they had thousands of people working on the pyramids for decades. And we have one last point to make. The ancient Egyptians didn't get this right on the first try. You can see the evolution of building and designing the pyramids over time. 
there are earlier first drafts, older, smaller, crappier pyramids that aren't as impressive as the Great Pyramid. They're still around. They just don't attract as much attention, probably because they're a bit ugly. So to Mark, there's just all this evidence, not only of how the ancient Egyptians built the pyramids, but also how they lived, the layouts of their homes, their broken pottery, pieces of their clothes, and even their jewellery. And to him, this is proof enough that the ancient aliens' idea is bunk. There's just no way that another culture could come down, hang around for a while, give directions on how to build a cheeky pyramid, and then leave nothing behind. Civilizations can't get lost. Civilizations are messy, garbage-producing networks of people, and they leave all kinds of crap. Crap like diaries, canals, ramps, and everything that tells us the real story of how the ancient Egyptians built the pyramids. And if you're still not convinced, well, all we can say is denial ain't just a river in Egypt. But really, what is going on here? Like, why do so many people seem to love this ancient alien story? These claims of lost civilizations, of ancient aliens, of uh, all kinds of mysterious things happening in the ancient world, they're powerful, they're seductive, they're interesting. And if they were true, they would be amazing. That's David S. Anderson. He's an archaeologist at Radford University in Virginia. And he thinks a lot about why people hold on to alternative theories like ancient aliens. And for David, he says this isn't about dum-dums getting sucked into a hoax. The reality is, is these kind of claims play not on stupidity, but they play on fascination and interest. Uh, They play on the notion that we want there to be more. And it's a little more depressing to think, well, actually, archaeology has good data on how the pyramids were built and where they were built and when people lived there. That's not as fun. That's not as interesting. But as exciting as it is to think of aliens whispering in a pharaoh's ear, you need to build a ramp. David told us that these ideas are actually troubling. Not only do they fly in the face of hard evidence, like a fleet of wayward UFOs, but also you can trace this kind of thinking to the earliest days of European colonisation. Centuries ago, colonisers were visiting places filled with people they thought were primitive. And yet, they would see these huge, sophisticated structures. For them, it just didn't add up. And so there was a strong tendency, and we see it repeated over and over again, for uh, European colonisers to come up with stories about how these ruins must have been built by lost white civilizations. This happens uh, in the United States. There are earthen mounds all over the eastern half of the United States that were built by Native Americans. And for centuries, Americans and American colonists would claim that those must have been built by some lost white tribe. David talked about this with producer Rose Rimlau, and he says now, instead of white tribes, it's aliens. Either way, it's taking the achievements of one group of people away from them and handing it to somebody else. Have you made that argument to an ancient alien believer? I I have. Typically, the, the response from the believers that I have engaged with is, no, 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 this is just all about technology. And this is just, there's no way people could have built X building or raised X block. There's usually little interest in engaging with the the data that shows, oh, you can build those buildings or you can raise those rocks. 
David says that it's just really hard to convince people to follow the science and forget about their fun but flawed ideas. That was our experience with Eric, the grandfather of the ancient alien idea. We brought the evidence to him, but he just stuck to his guns. All the experts that we spoke to said we just don't need aliens to explain how we have the Great Pyramids. We, we don't need, we have all the evidence in front of us. Why, why do you think differently? No, they have not all the evidence. And all these scientists who say, we have the evidence, we do not need extraterrestrials. I'm sorry, they never understood the story of Eric van Däniken. They probably never read it. In the meantime, it's 41 books. So when it comes to ancient aliens, does it stack up as well as the Great Pyramid does? No. Ancient Egyptians had the brains, the canals, the ramps and the people power to get the job done. No aliens required. But try telling that to a believer, and unfortunately, you probably won't get very far. So it turns out that the biggest puzzle isn't how the pyramids were built, but how to change people's minds. The mystery of the mummy's tomb (laughs) was inside us all along. That's science versus ancient aliens. Hi, Rose Rimler. Hi, Wendy. Producer of Science vs. Ancient Aliens. My claim to fame. How many citations in this week's episode? Uh, There's over 90 in this week's episode. Over 90? Somehow we squeezed 90 citations out of this ridiculous (laughs) topic. (laughs) Um, Where can people find this? They can find the link to the transcript in our show notes or in our newsletter, and that comes out every week. You can sign up for it by going to gimletmedia.com slash newsletter. Whoa! Whoa. Out of the studio! (laughs) And if you like this episode, there's another podcast that you might be interested in. It's called Stuff to Blow Your Mind. Stuff to Blow Your Mind is a science podcast that examines neurological quandaries, cosmic mysteries, evolutionary marvels, and more. It's hosted by Robert Lamb and Joe McCormick. In each episode, Robert and Joe try to make the familiar strange and the strange familiar. Just listen to some of the topics they've covered. The evolution of the anus, the science of Tetris, and even dangerous foods like poisonous potatoes and hallucinogenic fish. Listen and subscribe to Stuff to Blow Your Mind on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. This episode was produced by Rose Rimler with help from me, Wendy Zuckerman, along with Meryl Horn and Odelia Rubin. Our senior producer is Caitlin Sorey. We're edited by Blythe Terrell. Fact-checking by Michelle Harris. Mix and sound design by Emma Munger. Music written by Emma Munger and Bobby Lord. A huge thanks to the team at the Museum of Fine Arts in Boston, as well as Professor Pierre Talley, Roland Enmark, Jens Notroff, Professor Aaron L. Thompson, and everyone else who spoke to us for this episode. Thank you so much for your help. An extra special thanks to Sarah Hendricks, Jake Finnecom, Frank Lopez, Joseph Lavelle Wilson, and the Zuckerman family. I'm Wendy Zuckerman. Back to you next time.